Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, President of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hello and welcome to Israel and You, and I want to say Merry Christmas to all of you. Today is December 26th, it's the day after Christmas 2020. Looking forward to a new year, as I know everyone in the listening audience, you're looking forward to what 2021 holds. Hopefully it'll be a much nicer, beautiful year than 2020 with all the pandemics and everything else we've been through. But Israel and You is a radio ministry of Israel Team Advocates International, where we are turning the tide of the growing anti-Israel movement on evangelical college campuses and the growing anti-Semitic movement on secular college campuses. So today, being that it's the Christmas season, the day after Christmas, I'm going to kind of do a Christmas theme today. And I'm going to ask a couple questions right up front. Uh, The first is from Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy of Jesus as it talks about the birth of Christ. And the question is, why did Matthew, who wrote uh, the Gospel of Matthew, one of the disciples of Christ, why did Matthew mention four women in the line of Christ? All these women are in his line. And then you get to uh, verse 16 of Matthew chapter 1, and there's another woman, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Is there a hidden message in the incarnation of Jesus and his life that we have missed? Another question that I want to ask is, why all the Marys in the life of Christ? There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's Mary Magdalene. There's Mary, the wife of Clopas. There's Mary, the sister of Lazarus. And so is there a hidden message with all the Marys in the life of Christ and with all the women that are mentioned in the genealogy of Christ that begins talking about his birth? So I do believe there is a hidden message. And it's right there before our eyes. I don't think God meant it to be hidden, but I think we've missed it. Is it possible that the women in Jesus' line are mentioned in his genealogy for a reason. Could it be that part of the reason Jesus came to earth was to restore something that had been lost in his purpose for women? So I want to speak uh, this evening, day after Christmas 2020, I want to speak to the audience, uh, first of all, to women. At the end of this program, I want to speak to husbands and and, uh, future husbands. But to the women, I want to ask a question. What does Jesus think about you? How does he perceive your calling as a woman? Uh, Is man's role superior? If you were to sit down with Jesus, would he show you love and respect and honor as a woman? Just how does Jesus see you? How does he see your persona as a woman? And the purpose today is to discuss God's perspective of who you were created to be. And I want to set the record straight. And I want to look at three insights into Jesus' view of you as a woman. First, we'll look into uh, creation itself. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who was the Word? Jesus is the Word. So Jesus was there in the beginning. In Colossians 1.16, it says... 
By him, all things were created. So Jesus was there in the creative process of man and woman, of the the world, of the planets, of the stars. Jesus was there at the beginning. In Genesis 1, verse 1, we see that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all active in creation. In the beginning, God created God the Father. And God said, that's Jesus, the Word. When God speaks, that's the Word, Christ. And the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep, the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was there, and it says, let us make man in our image. So male and female were created in God's image, and they both had equal dignity. They both had the dignity of God's image, man and woman. So Christ was there. Everything he created called good. With one exception, Genesis 2.18, then the Lord said, and again, who said this? The word, Christ is speaking. It is not good that man is alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. In the King James Version, it says, a help meet, an old English word for mate, so a help mate. Other translations, a suitable helper. So is this how, is how Jesus thinks of you as a woman, a, simply a helper? From Genesis 2.18, we get the idea that, that God created women simply to merely fulfill the lonely void in Adam's heart. Man is the finished carpenter, he's the CEO, he's the pilot, he's the president. The woman is a low-level assistant. So from suitable helper, we get the idea that you as a woman were created to make the man successful. But helpmate or suitable helper is not what Jesus said. It's a mistranslation. It's a terrible, it's a terrible mistranslation. It's caused, caused confusion for men and women for centuries. The idea that helpmate communicates is the primary role be, belongs to the man, the secondary role belongs to the woman. So a woman is seen as second class. So what did the Lord Jesus actually say? And he was there in creation. He was the word speaking. Let us make man in our image. Uh, How does the one who created you actually perceive you? And the Hebrew word that's been mistranslated as a helper uh, or helpmate is Ezer Konegdo. Ezer Konegdo. And it's translated helpmate, suitable helper, a helper fit uh, for the man. So first of all, Jesus calls you an Ezer. And the word Ezer is used 21 times in the Old Testament, twice for women, three times for Israel appealing uh, to God for help in a time of war, and 16 times it is used for God himself. So what does Ezer mean? And again, where does this word come from? It's what God spoke over the women. I will make uh an Ezer Konegdo for the man. So we get an idea of what Ezer means from Exodus 18. After the deliverance from Pharaoh, Moses names his son Eli Ezer, Eli Ezer. And he said, for God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. So Ezer is a military word. And ready for its meaning? Here's what Ezra means. Mighty rescuer or mighty warrior. God did not create a woman because man was lonely. It does not say it's not good that man is lonely. It says it's not good that man is alone. And so God knew that Adam could not subdue the earth 
all by himself. He didn't have enough power to do that. He needed one who would come alongside of him and rescue him, uh, be strong where he was weak. Uh, the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit weak? No, but the Holy Spirit is seen as our parakletos, our helper, one who comes alongside. So the Holy Spirit is an equal part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if I could say to every husband in the audience today and future husbands, your wife will be your strongest ally in pursuing God's purpose and your first roadblock when you veer off course. And the mistranslation of this word ezer Canegdo has contributed to the wrong perception of a woman as dependent, helpless, needy, vulnerable, or weak. All those perceptions are wrong. That's not what God had in mind when he made the woman. From the beginning of creation, Jesus has defined a woman as an Ezer Canegdo. So Ezer simply means uh, a rescuer, a mighty warrior. It's a military word. Canegdo, what does that word mean? Does it mean simply suitable? No, it means equal in power. So you put the two words together, Ezer Canegdo. I will make an Ezer Canegdo uh, for Adam. It simply means a warrior, a rescuer, a power equal to. So it is not good that man is alone. I will make for him an Ezer Konegdo. So Adam literally met his match in Genesis 2, 21 through 23. But for Adam, an Ezer Konegdo was was not found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. Ever wonder why God used a rib? Why not a femur? That's a very strong bone on the body or a, or a right arm. Why a rib? And my belief is because the rib is the strongest core in the skeletal structure, the rib cage. It protects the heart. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She's my equal. And Genesis 2.24 said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will cleave unto his wife and they will become one flesh. And today, uh, there's a lot of leaving, but not a whole lot of cleaving. And men are taught that they don't need any help. Uh, I'm the man, I'm the powerful man, and the the wife is second class to the man they're taught. The man is in charge. But if we can get this into our head of this is what Jesus actually had in mind, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when they created the woman, and I wish I would have learned this early on, but now I'm learning, as I've studied this, I've learned to cleave to my wife as my Ezer Konegdo, a mighty warrior, a rescuer, equal in power in my life. She has a warrior's heart. She's my strongest ally in life's battles. And I'm learning to honor and respect her and love her as my equal. And as I look back over my life, the influential women in my life changed my life. My grandmother was probably the most influential person in my entire life, uh, my Jewish grandmother. And she would always say to me, uh, son, follow the cloud, but never the crowd. 
She always said that, follow the cloud. She said, you know, when you're walking with God, it's not like a fence. You don't have one foot, you know, in the world and one foot in your relationship with God. You have to toe the line, young man, and and walk steadfastly in righteousness. Another strong woman in my life was Goldie Olson, my Swedish Sunday school teacher. When I was five years old, Goldie led me to the Lord. I'll never forget it. She told the story of Joseph's coat of many colors and, and the redemptive power through Christ. And she looked at me and she said, Aaron, would you like to wear that coat of many colors? Would you like to be redeemed of all of your sin? And I said, yes. And I, I prayed the sinner's prayer. It was a woman that led me to the Lord. The great evangelist Billy Sunday one day said, I don't believe there are devils enough in hell to pull a boy out of the arms of a loving mother. And I would 100% agree with what Billy Sunday said. So first clue concerning what Jesus thinks of women is from creation, where a woman was created as an Ezer Konegdo, a mighty warrior equal in power to the man. So after the fall, in Genesis 3.15 is called the, the Proto-Evangelium, where God speaks to the serpent. And he says to the serpent, I will put enmity between uh, your seed and her seed, between you and the woman, and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. So Satan knew at that time that God's plan was to bring a redeemer through the seed of the woman. And he was going to put enmity between Satan's seed and the woman's seed. And so Satan knew his mission on that day. And so he began a centuries-long quest to destroy every Ezer Konegdo, to minimalize women, to delegitimize women, to oppress women, reduce women to servitude. Remember Pharaoh, he persecuted uh, the uh, Jewish people. And uh, he killed all the baby boys, two years and younger, uh, t- taking them from his, their mother's arms. The nations began to traffic young women. Uh, there were temple prostitutes. And we come to the book of Joshua in the plundering of Jericho. And the first person that God chooses to deliver in the promised land is a woman. And she hangs a scarlet ribbon. Uh, and she rescues her entire household. So what was God saying? In the promised land, I'm going to restore women to their rightful place as Ezekonegdos. Sadly, the Israelites became like surrounding nations, and they began to oppress and traffic women. They had concubines in those days. So we'll pick this up on the other side as we talk about God's deliverance and restoration of women. Hey, this is Aaron Free, and we've got a matching challenge this month, the month of December, and you can double your giving to help Israel team in our mission to turn the tide of the rising, alarming decline of uh, support for Israel on evangelical college campuses. Your giving, dollar for dollar, up to $28,000 of foundation has invested uh, in our mission. And if you give a gift of $100 this month, we'll send you an autographed copy of our new book, The Casualty of Contempt, The Alarming Rise of Anti-Semitism and What Can Be Done to Stop It. It's a critically important book. 16 world-renowned authors from the world of sports, law, academia, Israel advocacy, both Jews and Gentile authors in this book. 
All Defenders of the Jewish People. Uh, some of the authors include Stuart Roth, who's on the program with us today from the American Center for Law and Justice, Jay Seculo, Chief Counsel of the American Center for Law and Justice, Coach Bruce Pearl, coach of men's basketball at Auburn University, Coach Dale Brown, uh, Shaquille O'Neal's coach at LSU, Dr. Marlene Yahalom from Yad Vashem. And this month, if you'll go to IsraelTeam.org and go to the donate section, and for a gift of $100 or more, this foundation will match your giving dollar for dollar. And you can go to IsraelTeam.org to the donate section, and uh, you can help us in our mission to turn the tide of this rising anti-Semitism. It's hard to believe, but so many of our evangelical college and colleges and universities are turning against Israel. So this book uh, addresses this issue, and uh, it'll help uh your students, you know, if you have students in your household that are wondering their role in God's restoration of Israel, this book will help them in that understanding. This is Israel in You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back to Israel in You, and I say Merry Christmas to everyone. We're at December 26th, and the day after Christmas 2020, and we're looking at the incarnation of Christ special Christmas message, and and one of the purposes of which Jesus came was, I believe, to restore women uh, to their dignity. And we, we saw that uh, during the ages that uh, civilizations, they oppressed women, they trafficked women. We get into the scripture, Solomon had 300 concubines, 300 wives that were kept really in captivity for his pleasure uh, to produce sons in the book of Ruth we see that uh, the sons of Naomi, they took wives from the Moabites. What's that mean? They took them. And that's how men in those days, often they would just take women. So Ruth was most likely an oppressed concubine. And Boaz, thank God, instructed the young men not to lay a hand on Ruth because that was just the nature of the day. Women were oppressed and used. Centuries passed, and by the first century, the original intention of Jesus concerning women as Ezer Konegdos was lost, and women in Jewish culture were no longer viewed as Ezer Konegdos. The second clue of Jesus' perception of who you are as a woman comes from his genealogy. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, that we see in his very genealogy, there was Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and the wife of Uriah. It's interesting that, that God does not call her uh, David's wife. He still calls her the wife of Uriah because really David literally took her and then had her husband murdered. So why all of these women in the line of the Redeemer? I believe God is saying Satan did his best to destroy womanhood. But look at these women in my own genealogy. They were wounded, abused, forsaken, held in low honor, taken against their will. And though Satan tried to destroy my plan of redemption that would come through the seed of the woman, my plan of redemption has succeeded. These women fulfilled their role as my Ezer Konegdos, my mighty warrior rescuers that are equal in power to men, mighty rescuers. So we see that in creation, we see in the genealogy of Jesus, something's up here. What is God saying? The third clue of what Jesus, how he perceives women 
is all the Marys in Jesus' life. In John chapter 19, verse 25 through 28, at the cross of Christ, we see all these Marys. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's Mary Magdalene. There's Mary, the wife of Clopas. And Mary is the English translation of the Hebrew word Miriam. And in those days, back in the days of uh, Egypt, if a woman was uh, sexually abused or physically abused, she often changed her name to Bitter and often would change the names of her daughter to Bitter. Remember, um, Miriam, the, the sister to Moses, her name was uh, Mora, Miriam, Bitter. Remember, Naomi said, don't call me Naomi, change my name to Miriam, Bitter, because my life has been bitter. So if a woman was abused, often she would change her name or the name of her daughter to Miriam. So why all the Marys in Jesus' life? Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the uh, sister of Lazarus, the other Mary, Mary the, the the wife of Clopas. So I believe part of Jesus' mission was to restore womanhood, to restore their place of being Ezer Konegdos that was spoken over them at the beginning of creation, restoring women to their rightful place as warrior rescuers, power equal tos. Watch this. It was Miriam who brought the Redeemer into the world. Her name was Mary, but it's really Miriam in, in Hebrew. It was Miriam who washed the feet of Jesus at his burial. And there were three Miriams at the cross. Who did Jesus appear to first after the resurrection? Mary Magdalene. Who announced the resurrection to the disciples? Two Marys. Remember, the angel appeared uh, to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And Jesus meets them on the way. So why all the Miriams in Jesus' life? They were drawn to Jesus, I believe, because he was redeeming not only their souls, but their personhood, their dignity. They saw in Jesus, here is a man that is restoring something. God incarnate, he's restoring something to us that has been lost over the centuries. Restoring them as warrior rescuers. And so I would like to speak to the men uh, right now. And if men desire to be attractive to their wives, the simple truth is love your wife the way that Jesus loves them. Be a husband like Jesus is. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives. And that word in Hebrew is ahava. Three letters, aleph, hey, and bait. Aleph means sacrifice. Bait means the open window of the soul. Uh, I'm sorry, hay means the open window of the soul. Bait means house or family. So lay your life down for your wife. Speak into the open window of her soul with tender words and build for her as her protector a house and help her uh, raise the family. Uh, lay your lives down for your wives. Everything about Jesus is about sacrifice. Uh, even the name of God, Yahweh, the four letters in Yahweh, Yad, He, Vahe. Yad means hand. He be, means behold. Va is the uh, word in Hebrew for nail. 
and he means behold. So God's very name simply means behold the hand, behold the nail. So everything about Jesus is laying his life down in sacrifice. So he says, husbands, love your wives the same way that Christ loved the church, laying your lives down for them. Very interesting scripture in Genesis 2.24. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will cleave unto his wife and they will become one flesh. Jesus repeats this scripture, Genesis 2.24, in Matthew 19.5. And so what is God saying? A man shall leave. Well, it's interesting. When the Torah was written, the time the Torah was written, civilization had grown and expanded. And in those days, a woman would be taken from her own household when she married a man, and she would be Come part of that man's father's harem, and she would be subject to the whims of not only her husband, but her father-in-law as well. And so the woman would leave and become part of the man's house, uh, totally being dissed from her own family and never to return often. But God, when he speaks this word uh, to this world, he says, For this reason, a man will leave his father. God reverses it. The man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. Interestingly, it doesn't say the wife clings to her husband. It says the man cleaves to his wife. Why is that? I believe because the woman is a powerful rescue warrior equal in power. And she is uh, a husband's defender. So the man is to leave his father and mother, and to cleave to this mighty warrior rescuer in his life. And I think that every man listening, if you're man enough, you would say, as a husband, I can declare that my wife has rescued me. It's not about me. I'm not all that in a bag of chips. Uh, It's not all about me. My wife has rescued me time and time and time again in my life. She is uh, my mighty warrior rescuer, equal to me in power. And that's true in my marriage. I can honestly say after years and years of marriage that it's my wife that has rescued me. And yes, I'm called to protect her and my family as a spiritual leader, but my wife in the marriage role is the mighty warrior rescuer that's equal in power to me. And I have three daughters. You know that each one of them has become an Ezra Konegdo, and I told them all their life that you have a divine calling and a purpose as a woman. Two of my daughters uh, are, are mothers, and they're like mother eagles over their young children, very, very protective. And they've all become uh, Ezra Konegdos, And so there's several reasons why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, yes. He came to uh, die on a cross, to be buried and resurrected as on the third day as the firstborn from amongst the dead. But I believe that another reason why Jesus came was to heal all those oppressed of the devil. And another reason it was to heal women back and restore them back to their uh, purpose as an Ezra Konegdo for their generation. So Lord, I pray today for every woman in the audience, for every man listening, that we would understand your divine purpose in your creation of women. That in your very incarnation of coming to this earth, in your very genealogy, there's all these women that were Ezra Konegdos. So I thank you, Jesus, for restoring that which was lost 
And I pray for every woman to fulfill that role as an Ezra Kenegdo in her generation. So God bless you today. Uh, God love you today. And uh, we'll see you next time around. Merry, Merry Christmas to all the women and all the men in the audience today. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.